On the first day of high school football practice, the players are expected to show up in plain white t-shirts. Plain white t-shirts. They can't be embroidered, can't have graphics on them, no pockets. It's just got to be plain white. Coach gives you a sharpie. You write your last name on your chest of that plain white t-shirt, last name on the back, so they know who you are. And that t-shirt is to be worn every day to practice during Hell Week. Now, if you're unfamiliar with sports or football, you may not know what Hell Week is. Hell Week, essentially, is a week of intensive drilling, running, conditioning, screaming, and crying, all for the sake of preparing the player for the season. It's an intense week, and you could probably guess that at the end of Hell Week, that plain white t-shirt is no longer white. That thing is stained with sweat, dirt, stank, sometimes blood. It is basically the color brown in all sorts of other colors as well. It's not a shirt anymore. It's this blood-stained rag that barely hangs on your shoulders after Hell Week. But the glory of getting through Hell Week is exchanging those rags for a jersey. And at the end of Hell Week, you essentially make the team and you get a jersey with your number on it. And this is a sign that you made the team. Well, the Christian's conversion is actually pretty similar. We all stood before God in sin-stained rags. Isaiah 64 says that even our good works were stained with sin without Christ. Yet Ephesians chapter 1, as we saw, says that he chose us before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to adoptions as his sons and daughters. He redeemed us by the blood of his son. He essentially made us part of his team. And with that, he exchanges those old sin-stained rags and gives us a jersey or a righteousness and holiness with our name on it. He gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we're covered not in sin-stained rags, but we are washed. We are made new. We are righteous before God. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And so, Christian, the question is, why would we ever go back to wearing those old sin-stained rags? Why would we go back? And that's essentially the argument that the Apostle Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 4. Why would we go back when Christ has made us new? So, if you would, you could open your Bibles to Ephesians 4. And we are going to be looking at verses 20 to 24 this morning. Last week, we saw in verses 17 through 19 a very ugly picture of what we were like without Jesus. We were like the pagan, the Gentile, Paul calls it. We have been given over to a variety of sinful perversions because they're they have a hard and calloused heart. Their, their reasoning, Paul says, is futile. They're clouded. They're alien almost and ignorant in their sins. And this is who we all were without Jesus. 
This isn't the really, really bad people. This is all of us without Christ. But, but, and this but is important in the scriptures. This contrast is important. Look at verse 20. Ephesians 4.20, Paul says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This passage, we see four identity markers of the new creation. Four identity principles that direct our Christian life. In other words, this is who you are and this is what you will also do in Christ. We don't see explicit commands in this passage, but we'll see them in the rest of the book of Ephesians when we actually put these principles into practice. But you gotta understand that all the commands of the Christian life, everything that you are to do and not to do in the Christian life is rooted in these principles that we see in this passage. So these are really important identity markers for the Christian. This is who you are and this is also what you will do. Does that make sense? So I've changed my sermon points to be imperatives, commands, to kind of help us understand this is not just something that happened to us, but this is something that is expected of us as we live the Christian life. So here we are, our points for today that walking through this text. Number one, learn your master. Learn your master. Paul takes us back to school in this text. He, like a concerned teacher, he sees some of his former pupils living the way of the world, and, and these Gentiles are given over to all kind of sinful desires. Some are even tempted to go back and walk in their ways, but we see this strong contrast in the text, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Notice how it's phrased there, learned Christ. Paul says, in other words, that's not how you were taught. That's not how I taught you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Christianity 101, shall we? And here's the summary. It's all about Jesus. Christianity 101, if you don't know what Christianity is, if you're new to it, or you're just coming back to it, understand this, Christianity is all about Jesus in its essence. It's all about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Notice he says, you learned Christ. So Jesus in Christianity 101 is the subject of the class. You have various subjects, right students? You have science, math. What else is there? <laughs> English, reading. Thanks kids, thank you. All right, you're paying attention. So Jesus is the subject of Christianity 101. He is the object in which we are instructed. But the phrasing is unique. You notice how it says, we learned Christ, not we learned about Christ. There's an important distinction here. Anybody can learn about someone. 
Fewer have the opportunity to learn from someone directly. Even fewer actually learn someone personally. Let me give you an example. Abraham Lincoln, good old honest Abe. Anybody and everybody can learn about Abraham Lincoln. In fact, I don't know how you pass fourth grade without learning about Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. So you pick up a history book, a biography, you read some of his personal letters, and it's incredible that even 200 years later today, we can learn a lot about the man. But fewer people had the opportunity to learn directly from Abraham Lincoln, and in order to do that, you had to live in his time. You had to walk in close proximity to him. You had to sit under his rhetoric, his teaching, to learn directly from the man. But even fewer than that learned Abraham Lincoln personally. Fewer than maybe a handful of people had the opportunity to observe the man, not only in public, but in his chambers, in his home. I suppose the few would include his wife, his children, maybe his closest confidants. They were the only ones that truly learned him and grew to know him personally. This is what Paul communicates to us in verse 20. See, Christianity is not just learning about Jesus. Christianity is more learning from Jesus directly, even more. Christianity is learning Jesus personally, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, like you would with a close and personal friend. The longer you know somebody that's close and personal with you, you get to know them more and more each day, don't you? Your spouse, close friends, that is how our relationship is described in Christ. Christian, you know Christ. You, Gnosko, know him personally. You have a relationship with the Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And... You'll spend the rest of your life getting to know him more personally. And that is a fulfilling endeavor. That's really all we need. He is who all, he's all we need is to know Christ and grow in our relationship with him. But I have to ask some of you the question, have you really learned Christ? Do you know him personally, relationally? Or do you just know a lot about him? Well, because you've sat in church your whole life or because you were taught by your parents or because you've read the Bible or had the Bible taught to you. But do you know him? Have you learned him? Paul continues, he says, assuming in the text here, verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him. So Jesus is not only the subject of Christianity 101, but he's the teacher in the Greek language, if you read the original text here, the word about there, if you see it in your English translation, that's not there in the original Greek. Most commentators agree that this is a fumble by the translators. In fact, it should read, just like learning him, it should read, assuming that you have heard him. So Paul's making an interesting statement here, Christian. Listen to this. If you've learned Christ personally, you have heard him speak directly. Let me say that one more time. 
If you've learned Christ personally, then you, Christian, have heard him speak directly. Now you're thinking, wait a minute. I've never heard Jesus speak. When, Morgan, have I heard Jesus speak? Well, just to emphasize the point, here's what the Lord says in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You ask, wait a minute, Morgan, okay, so Jesus said that, Paul said that, but when have I heard Christ speak? Let me read you another passage, John chapter 8, verse 47. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason, Jesus says, why you do not hear them, he's talking to those religious folk around him, the reason why you don't hear them is that you're not of God. Wait a minute, Morgan, when have I heard Jesus speak? I'll tell you when. When God opened your ears and your eyes to behold him in his word. This is the word of God. That is every word on these pages is inspired by God directly. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is breathed out by God. Literally breathed, said, words spoken here on the page. So Christian, when you read the scriptures for the first time and the Lord opened your eyes and opened your ears to understand them, you heard the Lord speak directly to you. And you know that. You remember that experience when a preacher was preaching the word and you responded in faith and you believed in Christ and you were saved, that's when you heard God speak. Christian, when you sit here on a Sunday and you hear a message and man, the word really convicts your heart and you wanna change, you wanna grow, you heard God speak. When you're sitting at home, even in the quiet places and you're reading the word devotionally and you're, man, the Lord really shows you in the word how you ought to live your life, and and you're convicted, you're moved, you're hearing God speak directly to you. Can we hear God speak audibly today? Absolutely. You heard him speak audibly at the beginning of this service when Wes stood up here and read read from Colossians chapter 2, 14 and on. You heard it audibly. That's the word of God. And so it begs the question, For some of you here today, have you really heard Christ? Have you heard him? See, the Pharisees, the religious people around Jesus, they heard from Jesus directly. They sat under his teaching. But they didn't really hear him. Jesus says, seeing they do not see. He says, hearing they don't really hear. Have you heard Christ? Has he spoken to your soul directly? And have you responded in faith? The Christian has. If you're a true Christian, you have. You've learned Christ and you've heard him. So Jesus is a subject. He's the teacher. And thirdly, he's the atmosphere of learning. It's all about Jesus. Look at this last uh, section here in verse 21. You were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. The truth is not 
in the school of Greek philosophy, what these, this audience and these hearers would probably be accustomed to. Uh, the truth is not in the school of postmodern education. The truth is not in the school of hard knocks. You know, it's based on what I experience or what I've gone through. That's what's true to me. No, no, no. The truth is in Jesus Christ. Jesus claims exclusivity to the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. The truth is in Christ. It's all about Jesus. You remember in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, when Jesus says, come to me. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Christian, when you read this passage, man, it's very comforting, isn't it? But you have to realize that when you, as you read this text and you understand what Jesus is saying, Christian, you have to realize this is your conversion story. This is what you've done. If you've truly learned Christ, then you've heard him call to you, come to me. And you responded by going to Jesus. You learned him and you came to Gnosko, know him personally. You have yoked with him. You sat under his teaching. You became his disciple, his pupil. You've experienced his gentleness directly. You've encountered his rest genuinely. You've embraced his love permanently. Christianity is a relationship, a relationship with Christ, a discipleship relationship, a learning relationship. Those of you who are married, uh, do you remember the day or the moment you first met your spouse? The day or moment you, okay. Some excitement from this side here. May or may not be my associate pastor. Um, yeah, some of us do. Others of us do not. I, I don't, okay, let me clarify. I don't remember the moment or the day that I met my wife. And honestly, does it really matter? Like, I meet people all the time. <laughs> Listen, I meet people all the time, and it doesn't mean, just because I meet you, doesn't mean I'm going to join into a covenant relationship with you. You know what I do remember, though, okay? And this is what's very important. I do remember the day, the moment that I fell in love with Brianna. I do remember the day and moment I knew, I was convinced, I'm going to marry this woman. I remember that moment. Because at that moment, I was ready to covenant with her in relationship, in, in marriage. Here's the point, Christian. <laughs> Learning Christ, knowing Christ, loving Christ is not a one and done endeavor. Paul recalls your conversion, not just so that you would look back, but that you would press forward learning Christ more deeply. He's recalling you back to when you fell in love with Jesus, when you heard him, when you came to him and you surrendered to his word. Remember when you learned Christ, remember your identity, and it is in him. Now, by God's grace, I just officiated a wedding yesterday, and it was such a sweet time. 
a young couple that I had known for a lot of years. They finally got married, and I had the privilege of officiating the wedding. And it was so exciting, you know, to see them young in love. They were so excited to express their vows, to articulate them clearly. And I, I just, you know, I'm looking at my friend. I'm like, man, you've got so much ahead of you. This relationship now, this is sweet. This is joyful. And, and yeah, you look back at these times reminiscing. But by God's grace, me and my wife love each other way more today than we even did on our wedding day. We've grown to learn and know each other more deeply since that wedding day. The point is this. Again, your Christian conversion is not a one-and-done endeavor. It's like, oh, yeah, I met Jesus. I'm, I'm done with that. I prayed that prayer a long time ago. And, and then you just taper off. No, the relationship with Christ is coming to know him personally and growing to know him more personally every day. It's all about Jesus. Learn your master and become like him. We've been referencing this verse a lot in this past passage. It's very important. Luke 6.40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. That's it. Our goal is to be like Jesus, to know him and grow to become more like him. How do we do that? Well, it starts by remembering who you are and your conversion. You learned Christ. Point number two. Point number two. It goes a little bit quicker now. Put off the old. Put off the old. Paul gives us three infinitives. Three more principles in the school of Christ that we learned and should also apply. We have to put off, we have to be renewed, and to put on. But first, Ephesians 4.22 says, put off your old self. Lay it aside. It belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Anybody have a ratty, old, favorite t-shirt? I've got one. I love this shirt. My wife tries every day to throw it away. It's a faded red Zuma Beach t-shirt. I love it. Super soft fabric. It's softer than soft. It's tagless, so I don't have any itching going on. I wear that shirt whenever I can. Oil stains on it, holes in it. It's practically see-through. It's so worn. The fabric's barely there. It's like tissue paper. This verse reminds us of what we were taught. That is to throw that old sin-stained rag away. Get that thing out of your life because that's not you. That's not who you are in Christ. Put off the old. See, without Jesus, you were once a perpetual liar. Not anymore. You put that off. Lust once dominated your thought life. Not anymore. You put that off. You were once like an angry Tasmanian devil. You were bringing destruction everywhere you went. Not anymore. You've put that off. You once thought that life was all about you. You were selfishly motivated, not only to do what you want for your own sake, but you wanted all the credit for it. Not anymore. You put that off when you came to know Christ. You've repented. You've turned. Repentance means literally a 180 turn from that old life to the new one. That's the characteristic 
of a Christian. And so it begs the question, have you truly repented? Have you put off that old life? Well, you have if you've come to Christ. Or are you still wearing that sin-stained, dirty, ratty t-shirt? And Christian, welcome to the life of perpetual repentance. This is something that you not only did when you came to Christ, but you will continue to do for the rest of your life on earth. You will be putting off sin for the rest of your life. This is ongoing. Colossians 3 gives us the command. It says, put to death. That's the command. Christian, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Look at verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Let's make it easy. Put the Lord Jesus Christ in front of you. See him. Behold this wonderful Lord and Savior. Read about him in the scriptures. This man, this God-man was the champion. He lived the righteous life. He was perfect, was he not? Place him before you and ask yourself this question. What do I have to take out of my life to become more like him? What needs to be removed or laid aside in my life to become more like Jesus? What encumbrances or sins do I need to put aside? Hebrews 12 says, take off both. Put away both encumbrances and sins. Well, you know what sins are, right? Sins are those attitudes, actions, and words that directly defile God, that are not according to his commands, breaking his commands. What are encumbrances? Encumbrances could just be things that are not inherently evil, They could be okay things, good things, things you can enjoy, but things that can easily become idolatrous, things that could easily consume your time, less important things that become more important than the really important things, like, and I'm not, you know, pressing on anybody's buttons here, but social media. It could be TV. It could be sports. It could be certain friend groups, people that you hang around. The big question is, what needs to be taken off in order for you to become more like Christ? Number three, reset your mind. Look at verse 23. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So to put off and then to be renewed. I used to get uh, computer viruses, but then I switched to Mac. And I don't get those anymore. That was a stab at you, Windows and PC people. Uh, You know how computer viruses work. They corrupt your system. They sometimes destroy valuable data. And when it gets bad, sometimes you have to resort to a whole system reset. You have to do a whole system reset. Clear everything off and go back to the start. Nobody escapes the sin virus You may have escaped COVID so far, but you can't escape sin. Sin haunts every single one of us. It's part of our sin nature. All of our hard drives have been corrupted by this virus. We didn't just need renovation or redecoration. We needed a whole system reset. We needed to be transformed from the inside out. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus did when he saved you. 
He changed you from the inside out. Titus 3.5 says he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Conversion was the reset. By the Spirit's power, we now have the ability to compute, to understand the Word of God. We also have this new internal motivation and desire to walk in righteousness, to be holy. What once was corrupted and dirty is now washed and functional. Again, this is not a one and done moment. This is something commanded of us and it's expected of us throughout the rest of our life on earth. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewal of your mind. Constantly renewing your mind. Constantly checking your thinking. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. How do you renew your mind? How do you reorient your mind, setting your mind on the things above? How about first meditating on the scriptures? These are things that are true. This is where righteousness can be found. This is where God is. He reveals himself through his word. You want to be actively renewing your mind? Then actively meditate on the words of God. And watch him change your life. Watch him change your life. Literally watch him change your mind. Number four, this final point, final principle, put on the new. Put on the new. It's not enough to take off that old shirt. You gotta put on a new one. You gotta put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Christian, hear me when I say it's not enough to put off. It's not enough to put off. That's not enough. We must also put on. This is something many Christians miss. Oh, I gotta stop doing that. Or I gotta, I gotta stop thinking that way. I gotta cut out X desire. Or I gotta stop X action. But, they don't ever really replace the bad desire with a good one. And so you're left with like the end of a vacuum. It's just life sucks. <laughs> because you've just cut out, cut out, cut out, and you're not filling, filling, filling. Here's an example. I need to stop yelling at my kids. Correct. You do you need to stop yelling at your kids. You need to stop losing your temper. That's not Christ-like. But, but then what? Then what happens next? Your kid's going to disobey again. They're going to spill the juice again. They're going to break something again. They're going to do something irritating again. And are you just going to walk out of the room because you don't want to lose your temper? Or could you put on Christ-likeness, patience, long-suffering, a gentle response. Think to yourself, what would Jesus do, WWJD, in response to this situation? Upbuild the child rather than tear them down so that it may give grace to those who hear. Respond appropriately in the situation so that when your child is frustrated at school, when your child becomes frustrated later in life, they remember, oh yeah, mom and dad responded this way because they were imitating Christ 
And this is how I should respond. Put on, not only put off. Don't just say, I need to stop watching so much TV. Okay, good, yeah, maybe you do if it's a, become an idol in your life. It's taking you away from more important things, but what are you gonna fill that time with? Don't just stop watching TV, but put on something productive. Put on something important, something valuable, something that is enriching. Do you have a plan for that? Do you have a plan for how you're gonna fill that time? Because otherwise, guess what? You're just gonna fill it with another distraction, another something that's less important. I need to cut off these lust-filled thoughts, man. I, so many young men have come to me and say, man, my, my mind and my thoughts are just so lust-filled. I gotta get rid of these. Yeah, you do, but guess what? You also gotta put on a lot of scripture to actually be productive and grow out of that. Because if you just take out, take out, take out, you're not gonna fill your mind with that by which you need to grow. The principle is simple, Christian, here it is. Whatever sin or encumbrance you put off, there is righteousness and holiness to be put on in its place. Don't just remove and take out, but put on and pursue Christ-likeness. Live in the reality of who you are as opposed to who you are not. Look at who you are, Christian. Look back at the text, verse 24, here. You were created after the likeness of God. Just let that phrase hit you for a minute. Essentially, this is what it says. This is how you could translate the Greek. You were created according to what God is. Wow. That's a staggering statement. You are, in a sense, made like God. That's, that's the Christian, that's the new creation. That's who you are. You are, look at this, in true righteousness and holiness. That is, when you were transformed at your conversion, you were made right before God. You could stand before God in that moment and be declared justified, not a sinner condemned to hell. You're saved. Also, you are made holy. You are set apart. That is, when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, the holy God, you too are holy and you can live in his presence. You are washed. You are made new. You are sanctified. This is who you are today, Christian. You need to be reminded of that. You're like that brand new white pair of shoes, okay? Brand new white shoes. You don't want to wear those brand new white shoes out in the dirt, do you? You don't want to work in those brand new white shoes because what's going to happen? They're going to get all dirty. Christian, you've been washed. You've been made white as snow, the scripture says. So why would you take that new life you've been given and go roll in the mud. Go back to that Gentile way that's dirty and filthy and that old life that you're, that's no longer you. Pursue Christ. Pursue Christ. This is who you are in Christ. You've made white. You've been made righteous. You've been made holy. But not only have you been made that, but this is your expectation moving forward is that you would continue to walk in righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3.10 says, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We have been made righteous and holy, and the Christian life is a continual endeavor of becoming more like Jesus, more righteous, more holy. In the end, Christians become like Jesus. Christians become like Jesus. So there you have it. Four very basic Christian principles. Learn your master. Put off the old. Renew your mind. Put on the new. Let me just make it very simple for you. Let me tell you about the Christian life. Very simple terms. If you do this in your Christian life, you will do well. You will grow. You will be fulfilled, satisfied in Christ. Let's make the Christian life very simple. Set Jesus before you. Put Jesus right in front of you. And put that old life, that old habits, all those old sinful desires behind you. And look at Jesus Christ, the object of your faith. Look at him. Learn him. Read his word and study his person. Read the gospels. What did he do? What did he say? How did he do it? How did he say it? Why did he do it? And why did he say it? Get to the heart of Christ. Know him. Then ask yourself, what do I need to put off to become more like him? What desires need to die in my heart? What attitudes need to be laid aside? What words need to be cut off? What actions need to be stopped? Then, don't forget this part. What do I need to put on to become more like him? What affections and desires need to be cultivated in my life? What habits need to be formed to become more like Jesus? What words should be said to be like Christ? What actions should I do to be more like Jesus? Because Christian, you want to know and grow in Jesus Christ. There's the Christian life. Put simply, may we apply it this week as we follow him. Let me pray. Father, we who know you through your son, want to become more like your son. We just want to be like Jesus. We want to know him more. We want to grow to be like him more. Help us, God. We need your strength. We need your spirit in us to continue to renew our minds, to continue to take us back to what we know is true of who we are and and to set our minds on the things above so that we're not so distracted by the things of this world, and to follow Jesus. God, I pray that every person in this room would set the Lord Jesus Christ before them. They would observe his person. They would know him personally. They would learn him intimately. And God, as we grow in our knowledge of you, that would motivate us, draw our affections and our desires to lay aside that old life and to put on righteousness and holiness to be more like Christ. Help us to do that, Lord. Only you can. 
this week. And we give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.